Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Strong Woman's Network podcast. It is so great to have you here today. I'm happy that you push play and you're listening in to another great episode. If you have not already, go ahead and subscribe, share it with a friend. And if you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and give us the five-star ratings. Is the higher the rating, the more play we get. So Without further further ado, I have someone here, another special guest. I tell you, I have the best guest. I have the best guest ever. And you heard her laugh. I have one of them. She knows she is. I have a best guest, one of my clients here. And it's such an opportunity to just hear this story, hear what's going on in life, hear what the next steps are. For this guest, and before I mention a name, hold on, I'm going to, I got a bio here, a great bio. Monique Boyd is known for her expertise within the special events hospitality industry. And I have to say, this is a no joke job. Um, A little later, but this is a no joke job. This is hard work and her passionate leadership is 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 just amazing. As a director of special events and catering for Legends Hospitality at SoFi Stadium, Inglewood, California, Monique oversees catering special events for the first indoor-outdoor stadium, home of the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers. She offering state-of-the-art guest experiences in addition to exciting NFL matchup. Um, she's talking about the SoFi Stadium, but we're she is amazing. She's done some great things here. She's got um, 16 years of experience. She worked uh, for the da- the AT&T Stadium in Dallas with the Dallas Cowboys. That's where we met. Well, I've known her longer, but that's where we worked together. And she's just doing some great things. So Monique, boys, in the house. How are you, Monique? I'm doing just fine, Dr. Carla. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm smiling through the phone. <laughs> Me too, me too. I'm big old grin. Um, tell tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, if you don't mind. Well, um, I professionally am probably living a very charmed professional life by <laughs> being able to be in this industry and open up the new shiny toy in all of the event land and NFL land. And to do that in my hometown, I actually grew up in California. I'm actually from Pasadena. California. I um I uh, born in L.A., but I actually did live away in Texas for 23 years. So I am I was a a transplant in Dallas, and when I came back here after living away for 23 years, I kind of feel like I'm still a fish out of water. But I would have been back in California for a year next month. Um, I I it was so odd because I didn't even know how much I loved the mountains and loved the weather until I was actually in it every day. So. There's been an adjustment period, but uh, professionally, this has been a really great highlight to kind of see. I remember when I came a year ago, we were in hard hats and in in, uh, construction boots, and I was so mad about messing up my new hairdo that I was like, oh, (laughs) how can I wear this hat every day to be sitting here? And we're just waiting for uh, California to be safe and welcome fans and all the excitement that's going to come when the stadium will open in a couple of months. Oh my gosh! And then we we've got or you've got a Super Bowl Super Bowl Fifty Six. Yes. Yeah, so not only do we we were open last season, but we didn't have fans. But uh, my department was one of the only ones that worked because we had to feed the teams and the media and um, and the staff. But we are now opening up second season with having a Super Bowl to follow. So we would have had fans for the first time for 17 weeks and then open up with the Super Bowl and that will be really exciting and it's kind of like the buzz actually there's some meetings going on right now um it'd be and the Super Bowl has not been in Los Angeles since the Cowboys won it and if anybody who's a Cowboys fan to know how long that has been over 25 plus years um but uh wow. yeah it's been a long time since it's been in LA so everyone is really really excited about all the possibilities right now so yep so you go from one exciting thing to the other because you were in Dallas and you were closely with the Jones family as well. And for those of us who don't know who did the Jones family, who was the Jones family? <laughs> so Jerry Jones actually owns the Dallas Cowboys. Um, 
They are the most profitable and uh, franchise in all of sports, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're hey. worth maybe about $5 billion or $6 billion mm. um, as a whole. But it was a really great, um, if you, typically that's going to be your carte blanche of when you work in this industry of because every organization and every team really strives to want to have that following. And Cowboys fans are international. Um, they're America's mm. team. Um, you know, the star is recognizable, but the family and the organization has worked really hard for that star to represent so much. And being able to spend um, eight, almost eight years being there um, and to really learn the gist of everything that I am with sports and this industry is amazing. So it's been a wow. it's been a it was a really, really great opportunity. And um, I and I miss it terribly. But um mm. <laughs> But it's just the familiar and this, you know, and coming here was kind of one of those things where people were like, are you crazy? And I was thinking, <laughs> you already have the best job. And they were like, yeah, but, you know, part of my story is, too, I'm also an empty nester. I had a daughter who's 24, I graduated from college and she is, you know, living her young person's dream. And it was just me. So if I was going to take an opportunity um, to start my life and refresh it with also your guidance, because. I could not have done that without us having that conver these conversations of, you know, of just really making sure. I don't think I really knew that I needed to take care of myself until I met you. Mm. So, whoa! Yeah. And can I? And and, and and you're not twenty, and you're saying that you've had to learn that for us. Well, we want us people who have been here a little longer. You know, it's it's true. We overlook taking care of ourselves. So. Tell me, what what do you see the difference between now and then of taking care of yourself? Well, you know, at 53, um, it's different because I think, I think, and it's just me. So I'm divorced and I'm an empty nester. And, and for the last 24 years, I've had to have to take care of someone else. It's been, you know, it's been her before myself. And when even when she was away at college and I was by myself when it was empty nester, it was the worry of tuition and is she eating? Is she working? And whenever you can see your grown kids kind of just, you know, prosper and be okay. Um, and it's kind of like when I look at her, I just kind of have that smirk on my face. Like, you know, I think she's fine. But then you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, okay, you're not old. You know, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you can function. You have about another 15 years while you have to work. And, you've been putting so much effort into someone else, maybe try to put it back in yourself. So mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and not feel guilty about it. So there it is. Yeah. It's the guilt because even when I left, you know, Texas, they shipped my car here. I, and I, I had an option to live in um, my, in corporate housing initially at the Marina downtown LA or Pasadena. And I thought, Okay, I grew up in Pasadena. I haven't lived there in, in quite some time. Why not? And I remember the very first morning walking out and just seeing the mountains. And I was like, is this why mm. I'm supposed to be here? And one of the and when I went to look for an apartment, it was during COVID. There were no places letting us come in and visit, you know, physically. And it was the one apartment complex that allowed people to to uh to allow physical, like you could go into the actual mm -hmm. apartment and the patio overlooked mm. the the mountains. And I was like, okay, this is it. And, you know, I'm supposed to be here. And so when I wake up every morning, I literally see the sunrise and say, hi, Pasadena, as I walk to the bathroom oh, every morning. Wow. So I'm, and I'm supposed to be here because, you know, yeah. I was so stressed out when you have, you know, when you have kids, it's, you know, their story is your story. And now it's just I'm just have to live my best for myself right now. Yeah. And it's it's something you do have to learn or relearn because it's 20 something years Mm -hmm. of focusing on raising raising your daughter and this, I, I mean I know it's not the easiest thing but we should all do it we should all take the time even <laughs> if we're still raising kids putting that that personal time back into ourselves I want to I want to roll back um to you mentioned you're divorced and you also had a hospital stay could you just touch on where your life was because we've we've seen the glory on this side of of what you've been doing for so many years and the blessings that have happened in your life. Let's talk about where you've come from. Well, I was when I got married in 1994. I noticed that I was like I went to get my dress and I looked bloated. It was just this weird kind of look, 
And I went, I just so happened going to the doctor and they did some blood work, you know, just like regular kind of checkup and found that I had a thyroid condition. And my and it when and thyroid actually ran in my family because my sister, who's seven years younger, got diagnosed with having thyroid issues when she was a little kid, but I was always fine. And so, you know, I lived through, you know, most of my adult life taking a, a, a pill for my thyroid wasn't never a big deal. And then fast forward at 20, I think I was 29, uh, 20, I was 30. Um, mm-hmm. It was the year 2000. I'll never forget. I was, you know, I had a baby it was one. I was going through a divorce. Um, it was tr- it was so stressful. I had moved to Texas. Um, I had this, you know, this job, this boss who was really demanding and the stress was just too much, just fighting with my ex-husband. And I had was in a and I was in a relationship with someone who um, who was pretty deceitful. And he decided he was going to get married when I was still his girlfriend. And I was like, OK, this is all it was all so heavy. And I remember one day being at work feeling like my heart was racing. And it was and it was really odd because they kept telling me you're having anxiety attacks. And I'm like, OK, I don't know what an anxiety attack is, but I was at work one day and they had to rush me to the hospital. And um, and I was at home and I just started feeling really agitated. And a friend of a friend who worked in an insurance company came to pick me up and they took me to a mental hospital and was like, here, there's something wrong with her physically. You know, like that I was it was I was having a mental breakdown. It turns out. Um, my condition got worse and they tested my thyroid and my thyroid levels were off the chart. Um, and it, I was having the start of what they called a thyroid storm. So I got picked up by some, my, aunt was, my aunt was a nurse called the mental hospital and said, you test her thyroid because I had never had any mental issues for sure. And um, yeah. they tested my thyroid. My thyroid was off the charts. And within a week I went from, I don't even remember. I actually went from, being really agitated to having heart palpitations to being hospitalized. And I was in a coma and uh, had pneumonia and uh, for, and I, I actually remember it was weird because I was in the hospital from Thanksgiving. No, for my birthday in August was August the 12th. I was in the mental hospital. I get out for like a day. And then I don't remember really anything after that until around Thanksgiving. And I was in the hospital for um, in Arkansas where my family was. My dad came to get me. And I want to say it was almost two months. And um, from what I was told, they actually had told my family that I wasn't going to make it. Um, every, because a lot of people don't know that your thyroid actually controls so many things within your internal system. So your heart rate, your your um, your blood, your you know, your kidney functions, everything. And so I had the worst bout of pneumonia and and everything and it was and I have no recollection of anything that happened and all I know is when I woke up during Thanksgiving you know uh my daughter was gone her she had went they had sent her to go stay with my my, her father and when I wake up for Thanksgiving I had a picture of my daughter by the bed and I remember like touching my hair and it was like it was weird it was like being in an out-of-body experience but um I actually missed the whole 2000 election so I didn't even know that Al Gore and George Bush or whoever it may have been at the time was even fighting about who had won the election. Like that whole part of my life Mm. is gone. But for a whole year after that, um, you know, I I lost my my memory uh, to my, my, you know, my short term memory, like as far as like even now remembering numbers is still, you know, a little bit of a challenge for me. But there was a great part that I had to learn all over again. I couldn't put my watch on. I mean, I remember having to learn how to speak again. And I remember the one word I wanted to work, say was church and I couldn't figure out how to spell it because the, ch- mm. the chest sound and I kept a journal and it was, you know, most people know me for having pretty impeccable handwriting. I couldn't even write my name. I couldn't put my watch on. And um, when they bought my daughter back to me, um, she used to speak for me. She was three at the time because apparently when you have because I, st- I started having a lot of seizures when I was when I got sick. So in order, I was on seizure medicine when I, you know, came out of the coma, which kind of makes you like at night when your brain rests, like I could speak little words in the morning, but as I would go throughout the day, I couldn't. So I would kind of speak to her because it was gibberish and she would repeat it back to me. And so for a year, I was so blessed. Um, I had some friends that sent my girlfriend, Pam, had sent for me to come and stay because they were going to try to come visit me in Arkansas in this really small town. And, um, Instead of them coming, she sent me a ticket to come in, my daughter to come for Christmas. And I came to California that Christmas and I stayed in California a year and a half. I stayed with her and some friends. I, 
you know, and I was, and it was odd because I had to get on Medi-Cal. I had to get food stamps. I still have my, and I keep my Medi-Cal and my food stamps card in my jury box in my, so I look at it when I put my earrings on because it, I always has, have it as a reminder that, you know, I, I really have come a long way. And uh, they took me to the social security office and I was told that um, because I was college educated, that I would probably be um, a greeter. I, they did, I, would, I didn't qualify for social security because I did have a college degree and that the best job that I would probably be able to get would be a greeter at Walmart because I could just sit there and smile at people. I remember the lady actually telling me that, but you know, I was waiting to do physical therapy to try to help with my speech. And the doctors had said I was on a wait list. Um, they told me to start reading children's books and people magazine. So I, I mean, it was really weird. My girlfriends really just kind of helped me. Um, and it all started to come back. You know, I had to learn how to drive, you know, and I would see certain people and just get really scared because I would know their face, but not really know who they were. But, um, I was, you know, and after about nine months or so, I could talk and function where people wouldn't have known that I was really sick unless you knew me. But, you know, it was like this fog that I was really living in. And I had to go to work because I was not making any income. It was crazy. I was not making any income at all. And I said to my girlfriend, Janelle, she said, I, I knew I could kind of get a job. I used to work in HR, so I kind of know the language. And I remember getting a job as a salesperson working at a printing company in Santa Monica. And the very first day I was sitting, they wanted me to go get business and the phones were ringing and I could not remember anything. I couldn't. Oh, and I, I faked it for about two months. I used to leave and tell them I was going to the field. I would go to the movies <laughs> to sit in the movie theater yeah. because I couldn't, I would call her and tell her, Hey, I need some help because you know, recognizing numbers. I just, I couldn't do it. It was, it was wow. really, it was, it was not really my time. And so, you know, as things got better, I got when they, they actually fired me, too. And I remember thinking, OK, you know, he's, I remember him saying you're fired. And I was thinking you, you probably were right. But um, a couple of months later, I did get a job and I was selling commercial printing. Uh, no, I was, I was selling actually mats and uniforms for a company. We used to go around and sell commercial cleaning in buildings. And, I, you know, and it all started to come back to me because I always had really much a gift to gab and. I always felt like people who sell, you buy from people that you like. And I worked for a company called Coverall. And I did really, really good. And um, I was salesperson of the month. And then they laid everybody in the nice. office off except for me and someone else. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, they had an office in Dallas. And mind you, when I got sick in Texas, all of my belongings were still in storage. They had been sitting in a storage unit um, for almost two years. And the guy said to me, well, if you can make some numbers, you know, we'll transfer you to Dallas. And I was thinking because I always felt like in Dallas, to be quite frank, that I had something was missing. Like I left, you know, how you leave some place on your own terms. I feel mm -hmm. like the illness moved me out of Texas, but it, it wasn't my time to go yet. And I really mm -hmm. felt like it was something else I was missing. And my daughter was five and I thought you can do it. And sure enough, mm -hmm. I hit those numbers again. And they moved me to Texas and said, you drive yourself and you have a job there waiting for you. And I got to got back to Texas. And as I kind of, you know, I ended up working for somebody who was not a very nice person, but I was back in Texas. I remember sleeping in my own my bed because for a year and a half, I shared a twin bed at my at two friends house with my daughter until I got on my feet. And thank goodness mm -hmm. for my, you know, for my really good friends yeah. and, you know, to be in, with my own stuff and, and everything. And it was all kind of coming back to me. And um, I worked in sales for a couple of years and about a year and a half after I got back to Texas and I was sitting at a computer one day and I was selling at that time computer ads for a company called Trader Publications. And I thought, OK, you almost died. You know, God has given you this opportunity. You're back in Texas. Like, what would you want to do every day? And I said, I want to be an event. I would want to plan events. I had been like a, um, I was always the go to when somebody had a baby shower or a a party. I was our, my class president. So I planned all of our reunions and I really thought I wanted to be an event planner. So I wrote down 10 places that I wanted to work and I did love sports. I think it was like the Texas Rangers, the Cowboys, the Mavericks, and then a few hotels. And I interviewed at the hotels and they told me I didn't have enough experience. Um, I got a call from the Texas Rangers and uh, it was a company called Sports Service and they were looking for a coordinator which is generally like the entry level that you are as an event planner. And mm -hmm. um, I remember walking down the tunnel and I was so excited and they offered me the job. 
And I got my offer letter in the mail and it was, I mean, in the email and it was making $12 an hour. And I was like, I can't live on that. There's no way my ex-husband wasn't paying child support. And I was like, okay. And I have a girlfriend who Tiffany, who sent me, I was telling her I got this job and I still kept the email. She said, Mo, you have to do it. This is going to open so many doors for you. And so having as much faith as I could only have, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I had a five-year-old, an ex-husband who wasn't paying any child support, and I had the best job ever. My car got repossessed. <laughs> it was right down the street from my house. And um, it was crazy because that was the best year yeah. that I spent in baseball. Aww. And I learned I learned oh, wow. the event industry. Um, and I had a friend who was the suites manager. He actually was from L.A. We had a kindred spirit. As soon as he met me, he was just such the kindest person. And he actually works at SoFi now, too. I got him a job working here. He was he was from <laughs> L.A. Oh, and he, and he said to me, he was like, if you want to work nights and suites, you can make extra money and I'll find you a babysitter. And so I did. Hmm. I worked in the office in the daytime and I worked suites at night. And it was the best year that I ever had. And one of the chefs in the kitchen said to me, hey, why don't you try to you know, you could do better than this. Why don't you try to work at a hotel? And I said, I can't because no one would hire me. He said, well, that was before, you know, before you met me and before now. And he kind of told me some of the language that they would ask me about doing like what they call an event order. And he he taught me over the phone and I interviewed, I I made another list of 10 places I wanted to work. And some of the hotels who had initially told me no that year before were, you know, had, you know, I interviewed with, and I ended up working at a hotel in Dallas and it was, it was the start of my events career. It was, it was great. I mean, I worked at a, Yay. I worked at a Carlson hotel. It was a Radisson at the time as an um, event manager, catering events man- manager where I did socials and weddings. And that was right up my alley. It was great because, um, you know, within a year I was manager of the quarter. I was, I was selling, I was doing so many weddings. It was, it was amazing. It was everything that I really wanted to do and and who gets a second chance to do something like that and mm-hmm. you know and I was lucky my best friend lived in Dallas and my at the time my daughter was like six or seven and so you know weekends I had to work so some weekends my daughter had to come to the hotel and she would be in a suite watching you know cartoons and eating room service you know and she's always she's mm-hmm. really bougie now when she goes to a hotel and now I kind of know why <laughs> she, <knows. laughs> she, she started off that way. But, you know, just a lot of persistence. And I worked there about five years and I wanted to I love doing weddings and I became a certified wedding planner working there. I actually reached out to a wedding uh, certification um, uh, trade like a like a trade group and I offered to do their certification and trade if they would trade me for free we would give them the event space to do their meetings and um, and they took it mm. and so I made a lot of connections doing that and it was it was great and then making those connections just the power of networking I started doing you know joining other associations and met a lot of different people and um, and then I kind of just kind of worked my way through the ranks of I stayed there five years and then I after five years, I knew I was certified wedding planner. I knew I could do more. I made a list of 10 places I wanted to work again, <laughs> made my resume to an invitation because <laughs> um, that used, that always got the foot in the door. And it, this is back in the day before they had email when people actually opened up the mail. And um, mm, I remember. Yeah. And then I got an interview at the Dallas Museum of Art. Didn't even know they were hiring. And it was the best job that I had. I learned fine dining and, you know, every my mint, my uh, my office mate was also my muse. She was French and I learned a lot of things from her. And I worked with some of the most high-end event planners in Dallas and planned, you know, weddings that I left a hotel where somebody only had $20,000 for a wedding or 12, where people were paying $250,000 to get married. So it was, it was, it was like a life lesson. And in that time, one of the event planners in Dallas, uh, Todd events, um, was, one of the premier and still is one of the premier planners in Dallas plans a lot of high-end weddings and me and his team actually were collaborated on a lot of galas the art ball I mean we did galas where you know the average price was like ten thousand dollars a table and the Jones family who owns the Dallas Cowboys Mrs. Jones is very um, active and well known in the art community uh, uh, globally because um, the at t Stadium is also a, like an art museum as well um, and um, yes. turns out that her planner, personal planner, was um, Todd from Todd Events. 
And I had moved off from the museum for about six months, went to work another hotel. They eliminated my job. I texted somebody from Todd events and said, hey, you know, my job's been eliminated. Oh, my goodness. I'm scared to death. And they were like, hey, the Cowboys are looking for someone. Would you like Todd to recommend you? And I was like, OK. So I sent my resume mm-hmm. and nine interviews later <laughs> and two months later <laughs> um, and 200. And I think they told me it was 260 applicants. Um, mm. There, there, there it was. Go. And my back was totally up against the wall. I was not working. It was crazy. And I was I'll never forget. I was on the freeway driving underneath the overpass in front of AT&T Stadium, driving underneath Legends Highway and the phone rings. And it's a person from Legends offering me the job to work at the stadium. And she said, can you start in two weeks? I said, I can start on Monday. It was Thursday. Are you kidding me? And that's how it all started. And here I am. Uh, we're going to this to be my ninth football season coming up. Look at that. <laughs> okay, so this is this is what I gathered, listeners, from what she was talking. And I hope that you heard everything she said and the things that stood out of the tools that she used in this journey. I don't know if she was aware of it at the time. Monique, I'm sure maybe you weren't, but this is what I gathered. You went ahead and asked yourself, well, one, we have to say, when somebody tells you the best job they can get you and nothing's wrong with being a greeter at Walmart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if that's what they told you when you were what in your late I was uh, I was I was uh, 31. 31 mm-hmm. now. We got 30-year-old listeners right mm-hmm. now. When someone is telling you that this is all we see you doing, that doesn't mean you stop there. That means that that's their opinion because what a greeter is I looked it up while you were talking. They make about Ten dollars an hour, at the, mm-hmm. and that's now. This probably wasn't thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't the same twenty years ago. So you have that opportunities. What you did do was um, you couldn't remember stuff. You but yeah, knowing different things in your life like numbers, putting on a watch, different things that our motor skills we take for granted. You were you had lost. Mm-hmm. You had lost. So this is what these are the questions. What do you want to do every day? Mm-hmm. That is a question that we need to ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. What will open doors for you when it doesn't look right? That job where it was uh, the one you said you didn't want to do, what was for the Texas Rangers? Was that the one that said didn't look? It was $12. Yeah, it was, it was a court. It was starting at the bottom. And, and at 36 yes. years old, my coordinator now is 23. <laughs> so, okay. She's... See? So, <laughs> We got to remember what will open the doors for you when it doesn't look right. Your friend said, take it. And so that's the thing. Sometimes we look like it doesn't work now, but see, we're just stopping at this point. It could be the step into the future, which we see by this story it was. And then it says, I, I wrote this down, look for the angels in your life. It seemed like Monique, you had a lot of angels just show up, whether it was a best friend, whether it was. Um, someone you reached out to and looked for help, whether it was you bargaining and bartering things, look for the angels in your life. The other one is don't be quiet about what you want. You wanted a job and you would reach out to people and you would say it. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you because many people, we will look for, we will want something, but we'll sit in a room or outside and we'll be, be depressed, not knowing that if we use the power of our mouth to speak up, People will help us. The other one was be open to help. You had a training over the phone on how to, what was it with the whole Oh, yeah. I, he, the, I mean, he literally coached me through, they're going to ask you about bank of even orders. And I'm going to tell you exactly what to say. It was like, was that Sierra Divergiac? Because I can't remember. Like, yes. I was like, they're asking me a, a question about how to do this document. Well, be this, And then, you know, I had to, sure, you know, it was crazy. I was like taking notes. It was, he was in the same room with me and it was, it was, but it, it so helped. <laughs> it did. Yeah. So, but look at that. You didn't have pride. Mm-mm. You probably have pride, but you didn't let pride get in the way of, I don't know. And you're going to help me. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take it by any means possible. The other one was connections are powerful because your connections, even today, I think you still have that power and connections. One, you take advantage of the connections. And the other thing is you connect people to jobs and opportunities 
and I've heard you over the years that we have um, talked that you are just the one, the person like, you know, of a job, you will get somebody a job. If you know of something. Is that true? Well, right? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would say is, you know, especially I think because I was older and I appreciated a little more, you know, and when people reach out to me on LinkedIn, I reply back to everybody. And if somebody said, I really would love to follow you and, you know, and I really admire you, I'll reply back and say, here's my email, you know, or, I, you know, can you give me, can you give me some advice? And I just give everybody an hour and I, you know, and so, an yeah, hour. I know. And, and, and people, my colleagues get on me all the time, like, how can you do it? But I thought to myself, you know, I was older and if somebody not had given me an opportunity, then I would not have been, I wouldn't be here. And, and part of my job and, you know, and I learned this from you primarily too, is I know I can't be the mother, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, there's much more than I think <laughs> than being a leader and their boss. And it's also, you know, what gifts am I to give them? What gifts do I have that I can give to people that work for me? And it is the power of the, like being a launching pad because, you know, there's tons of in my, you know, managerial tree of a lot of people who work for me that went on to be directors in other organizations, um, you know, because part of me being here is not just to do the work, but it's also to really develop the people that are here and to really be there for them. And and that even goes in my personal life. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing people said, OK, I'm moving into a new city. My One of my dearest friends, her nephew is upstairs working. He's one of the hardest working, mm-hmm. you know, working way staff that we have that are here. And then because, I, you know. A lot of times when also making that connection, you know, who would be able to get their foot in the door at SoFi Stadium? And maybe it might, you know, there might be somebody that will see that there's a roadblock. And, you know, I get also a lot of people that, you know, see, oh, my goodness, there's a woman of color who's a director inside of the stadium, you know, which in hospitality is really a very rare sight to see. Um, but, you know, I've always had a route for the underdog because, you know, I was one, mm. I was the, I was, I was the underdog for sure. And, you yeah. know, for somebody to hire somebody like me who was older and didn't have the experience that, you know, one of my counties, somebody may have had, but I mean, I would humbling is you get an offer letter and you make $12 an hour and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Hour? I, and I yeah. hadn't had an hourly job since before college because I was making a salary and commission when I left. But it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and and that's the thing is we can we can stop when we hit a hurdle or we see a bump in the road and we can give up on ourselves. And one, you didn't have a really big choice to give up on yourself. But two, um, you really saw each step one day at a time. And I, I see that now working with you in the last couple of years that you have, you're the, you're a very, you're a very positive person. Um, and you believe the best because you've experienced some of some really terrible things in your life. But I love how, even if you did, you said list 10 places you wanted yeah. to work. You didn't just you would do it. You would do work before you even had a coach. You know, you would like <laughs> 10 places. You know, that's something we tell, you know, people we work with. And and you stood out. Like your application or your resume, you didn't just send, you know, because we're taught, put it back in the day, put on a nice grade of paper mm. and a nice envelope so they could feel it <laughs> and look like. But you did a whole freaking invitation. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I just I knew I had two things going for me. Number one, because my handwriting almost looks a little bit like calligraphy. So I knew if I wrote the envelope, somebody yes, would does. open it. That's all. That's usually always my saving grace. If somebody was like, oh, my God, you really have nice handwriting. So I knew that. And I knew if they took it out the envelope and they'd be like, OK, so somebody would have to call. But it's actually the same advice that I give to a lot of people that I speak to now. I tell them, you know, stop looking online for the people that are hiring you know, go seek out the person who's in the position that you want and the companies that they want, research maybe where they've worked. And then, especially even as an event planner, go volunteer. Event plan, event, people that work in events, especially they work weekends, they always need people to help them. And, you know, learn how to shadow, just ask. You know, we shadowed, we did a lot of shadowing. You know, it was funny, my whole team in Dallas should be like, who do you have shadowing again? And I used to tell them, you know, just be, <laughs> don't worry about it. Let's just, you know, greet everybody with open arms. And for me, that I think we've had some people who, you know, walked into the event business and decided, oh, this isn't really for me. Or people who, you know, had latched to us and somebody that shouted us became my intern. 
So, you know, I, I have always felt that I think not only did God really use me for, um, just in my experience in my in, in my journey but i'm just a mm-hmm. vessel for other people here that's you know that's, that's you it. Are. i mean that's and i think and i and i think because even all the times that i did events and i was you know i had to sell events too i never felt like it was work i just did it because i was supposed to do it and you know what i hope listeners you heard because she gave some really good tips she told you what to do to get in the position that you're looking for. Get in contact with that. That person is doing what you want to do. Shadow that person. Get involved. Volunteer your time. Amazing. Because, well, one, I would, I, I respect what you do, honey, <laughs> but I would never want to do it. <laughs> you build me on the day to work. I, oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> listeners, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. One of my uh, coaching adventures was to shadow her. And uh, no, what time do we start? Was it eleven in the morning? Yeah, because I I think well, do we have a day game? I'm pretty sure we. It, it was, was a day, day the day game. It was so, a three twenty five. So yeah, we. I mean, that twelve hours was easy, and all I remember is you having to change your shoes. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's my one. I never walked so much in my life around the stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, it was my first time on my, you know, really in that stadium. I was behind secret doors and, and, and I got to see some really great things though. I did get to see, I don't know if I can say that, but you know, Jerry Jones suite. And um, it was a beautiful experience, but I tell you, you do not know the work that they do from, from the flowers being right and lined up and getting calls that they're not aligned. It's crooked. I was like, really? I didn't even notice. I mean, to the point of the food, the food was dynamic. Uh, Chef Tony, uh, I gotta give a shout out to him if he's there listening. He texted me and wished me a happy Easter. Uh, so, you know, we keep in touch like that. Chef Tony, I mean, the food was great. Um, all of the lounges, is that lounges or clubs? Uh-huh. Clubs? the club the foods there and and even walking across the stadium i mean through the field back and forth before the game i was like i know i lost about i hope i did about 10 pounds but just the work and then by the end of the day i it's about it's about it's about a seven mile walk for just me because and and i'm the boss so i didn't walk as much as some other people so yeah and you had a walkie-talkie. <laughs> like, we were everywhere. But anyway, yes, uh, coaches out there, if you're listening, it's nothing like shadowing <laughs> your client because then it gave, gave yeah. me another outlook on how, how I coach and, and how when, we t- when we're talking about leadership and all that, you've got to be in there. You've got to see how they interact. And she's a great leader and a great team, a team that loved her and appreciate all that she did because she really, really cares about who she's in contact with and seeing them promote and, and giving everybody a chance. I mean, this woman is amazing, but uh, yeah, I would never <laughs> want your job. But So you have nothing. I think I might shadow you at Simplify though. I would like to see the difference because I know it's a little different now, but I would love that opportunity if it happens. But ladies and gentlemen, she has dropped some really good nuggets of what to do from when you have experienced basically being wiped out memory to money to cars, to, you know, and having to depend on other people during a time so you can get back on your feet, trusting herself, trusting God, trusting people again, knowing that um, she could show up at a job and may not have the perfect boss, but she still has to show up because of commitments, you know, to getting to where now, as we had started this, um, the time at the AT&T Stadium, now at the SoFi Stadium, even that, you were so, so open, so open to whatever it took to get to what you wanted. And that's another thing, ladies, be open. So Monique, we have went over a lot. I don't know how you feel, but is there anything else you want to say? <laughs> so I do remember how you and I connected um, was okay. my GM said to me, they were I always had this thing when Monique, you were an absolutely great operator. You're a good leader, but we want you to see the big picture. And I was like, I do see the big picture. Like I'm telling somebody to do this, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. And like live, live the life in my story. But it was, it was kind of like, 
the person who is sitting in my job now did does has not really realized what she has because COVID number one. But I remember mm-hmm. sitting there and he said to me, why don't you get an executive coach? And I was like, well, what is that? And then I remember going online. I was on LinkedIn kind of looking up an executive coach and I thought, okay. And I asked one of my really good friends, our mutual friend who is a therapist. And she said, mm-hmm. I'd know somebody that's really great. And so I did not know what to expect because the company was like, we want, we kind of see something in you. And this is kind of like, you know, if you have uh, the the extra sugar to be sprinkled on top of the dessert or something like that, you know, to finish it off. That's kind of what I thought. Okay. But not only did when you and I connected, it wasn't about really just with work. It was about me as a whole. So it was kind of like, you know, me looking at myself personally and really having to figure out like what was the basis for how and what, you know, where I come from and, 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 and what kind of manager, you know, that, you know, what kind of person was I not only when I was at work, but I had to really kind of look at myself. And then I remember when you told me, because everybody who knows me knows I hate lunch and I think lunch is a, a waste <laughs> of time, but I remember yeah, I was like, well, we can work through lunch. And it was, I, cause I didn't know, that they were all scared to go. They weren't scared to go less, but we just all got to a point where you work in this industry. You just, they were, yeah, scared. They, they were kind of Sorry. scared, but they were like, <laughs> well, they knew if they went out to lunch, they had to say, Hey, Monique, can I bring you something back? That was kind of always the thing. But I remember you telling me that, you know, how I could work smarter and how I could, you know, that I needed to kind of have balance when I had to do the 20, 20, 20. And I was like, I'm never mm-hmm. going to have time to do, it was 20 minutes of meditating and praying, 20 minutes of exercise and 20 minutes of reading. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and, yes. and I had to leave at six o'clock every day. And I was like, who does that? I work 12 hours a day. Like who's going to leave at six? And I would be in the office and my team would be like, Dr. Carla said you have to leave. And I'd be like, oh my goodness. But it yes. was the best thing because at the time that, I was doing this to 2020, 20, this job opportunity in LA was coming about. And I remember you and I talking about that and you were asking me, you know, I was, I, I remember mentioning it to you and we were kind of talking through it like, okay, this, what would be wrong with this step? What's, you know, you, what are the pros and the cons mm-hmm. and, and, and how is this, how would you develop and how would you approach it? And so I think I was really calm and in a really good place when I came out here to to walk through the facility because you had me really kind of look about, you know, look far beyond of just being here and and transferring a job, you know, because I thought if I'm going to leave the Cowboys and I need to have a promotion with this title. And it wasn't about that because it was a lateral title move, but it but it was also a big life change. And me being not feeling Mm. guilty about about the people who I left Mm. behind, because that was hard. You know, there were 13 other people that worked there, the managers and the 150 waiters and all the people who worked for Legends and the Cowboys organization that depended on me. And I'm thinking, okay, I had to really do something for myself. And and when I had made the decision that I was going to leave, I remember calling you like they, you know, the job is mine if I want it. Like what happens? And I don't and I wasn't so scared about coming home, but it was kind of like, okay, what do I do? But I don't I don't I don't think that I would have been prepared to think about like when you used to tell me about <laughs> walk in power and love. And that's all I kept saying when I got here. I was like every, and I actually tell it to my team. We always whenever we yes. get really frustrated, I said, OK, we're all going to walk in power. And I have it on my computer sitting on my laptop right now. It says walk in power and love in the in the same posted note that I wrote X amount of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and underneath it, I had to write praying for patience and purpose because that was what I had to do when I got here. So yeah, it was like yeah. walking power in love. Like I could still do and be me and still be exert being really powerful, but also, you know, in, in love as well. And so that that helped a lot. And when I because of COVID, I had to announce to my managers that I was leaving online and the whole mm. team started crying, the men, the women. Wow. And I started to cry. It was, the, it was awful. It was like feeling like I was leaving them behind. And, and then a year later, there's been a lot of transition with furloughs and people have gone on different career choices, people having kids and, you know, and, and everything. And, and I still talk to JD. I talked to him this morning on FaceTime. Mm. Tell <laughs> <him> <laughs> <I>. <laughs> um, Jeff Tony, you know, has retired and mm. moved on. 
but just appreciating all the little things that I learned even being there yeah. and then getting here and, and also talking to you about, you know, it's expensive to be in LA and what if I come here and I'll never be able to buy a house and, and gas is expensive. And then I re- you said to me, and I always say to somebody, well, Dr. Carla said, and it was like, you know, <laughs> the measure of someone's success, or are you happy just because you own a home? Or, you know, it's, it's not your home here. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. And then, you know, me being somewhere where I can look at the mountains and meditate every morning. And that, and that 20, 20, 20 is now like 40, mm-hmm. 40, 40, because I take a little extra time. Wow. I, you know, I get up in the morning early and I, and even if I just go walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes, I go upstairs and I stretch and I look at the mountains. I look at the trees and I just, just do you know how, you know how you see God's work when the clouds are moving and the clouds are, and you just, mm. you sit there in that moment and I just, and I smile at it. So no matter how much gas costs and how the traffic was to get here today, um, it's because I'm supposed to be here and, yeah, and really yeah. have to really understand so that. And I know that I wouldn't have been able to, I would have been complaining. I wouldn't have been able to kind of process that had I not really been, had that connection primarily to you. So thank you, Dr. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Carla. Well, and thank, thank you, thank you for, you know, because this is the thing, Monique, people, people may say they want to coach, but the follow-up of what you did is, is what makes the difference of a lot of people who's like, yeah, I want to work with you. And then nothing, silence, you know, and one shout out to legend. Yeah. Cause I think I'm the first coach. Mm-hmm. Did you say they mm-hmm, ever mm-hmm. invested in for yeah. an employee? So whoop, whoop, yeah. over that one be for legends. And I don't do, can you share because I real quick people don't know what legend who really what oh is legends, right? legends is a global hospitality company um, legends was initially started with the jones family who owns the cowboys and the steinbrenner family that owns the yankees they started their own hospitality company and hospitality meaning to run concession suites events at the two stadiums Smart. and because Smart. because most stadiums will contract somebody like an airmark or a sports service or sodexo and then they don't have a lot of invested ownership in it so when they started the company i think almost 14 years ago um there's a they've they still have part ownership in the company but there's also a, a, a managing partner company in it as well too but everything has grown from you know, global sales to um, global planning where they go on and survey land and areas to build more stadiums or the infrastructure for sports and, you know, merchandise, you know, uh, the merchandise business for the Indy 500 or the Final Four or all these uh, Mm. different entities. And then there's, you know, if you go and look up legends in all of the stadiums that they're at, you know, uh, Manchester in London, then Roma in Italy, because there's a whole international division now. And when I started, we were just kind of like the small, you know, we were, they were only two years or three years into Legends and to see where it's grown at now. And so it made sense that Legends was at, you know, AT&T Stadium is still very successful, that when they invest $5 billion to build a new stadium in LA, what company would they partner with to do that with, um, with running hospitality, you know, and we are here managing hospitality, um, concessions, uh, private events, and, um, uh, the, you know, all the clubs. And so, of course, Dr. Carla, we get here and they take my job and they split it into three. So whatever. I, so what I did in Dallas has now been split into three different positions here. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, they don't know. You. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't exactly. even know you. But they, <laughs> hey, that's all right. You get a break. Apparently you you've made your mark and you deserve to have a little slower. pace yeah. because that's a- um. I would take that as a compliment in some sense because you've really paid uh, body wise, sleep wise, personal life. Wise, I mean, everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. Personal life. Yeah. So now you're able, you know, my biggest thing is harmony. So you're able to get that harmony, spirit, mind, body, you know, and, and have more time to not be pulled in so many directions that I experienced when I shadowed you. Um, but you you handled it. You handled it. You did so well. Ladies and gentlemen, I just thank you for listening. I hope that you were helped by Monique. And how can they reach out to you if, because uh, you know, you said, no. How can they follow you on LinkedIn? What's your, you guys don't wear her. Uh, how can they On LinkedIn, I am Monique Boyd. And I think you can put it Monique Boyd in Legends. And um, I actually have a hashtag 
that I have. It's called okay. um, hashtag Monique at work, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E and then at W-O-R-K. And my Instagram for work is uh, for the number four Monique at work and follow me there and um, in, in the hashtag. And as we get through the season, especially now, Super Bowl's coming and the stadium's about to open and everything's going to be so exciting. Um, it's going to be a really, really, really good and adventurous time over the next couple of years um, as we grow. The Olympics are coming to L.A. Um, you know, yeah, it's just That's a right. lot. And WrestleMania right. will be here and all the championship games and all the experience that I that I that I gained in Dallas will all has all come to premonition of being here. I'm kind of like, yes. you guys, this isn't stressful at all. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I got this. Exactly. Love power. I, wa- Watch I me. walk I in power this. and love, and I can say it and own that. <laughs> yes, because you first would be like, well, I yes. was trying, but mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. now it is a part of you. It is a part of you. And look at, I just love it. Your past experience is serving you as many times as it is in your future. And it's sweatless victories yeah. for you from here on out with this. Cause you've done, been there, done that many times. So what a great leader. Thank you, Monique. Thank you for your time. Thank you for, you know, being you. Thank you for sharing your life with us and all this, you know, personal, you know, ups and downs. And I, I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Any now, before we close, you got to drop one nugget for our <laughs> listeners. Well, uh, oh, <laughs> gotcha. Um, you know what? I think, and I'm gonna, and this is a a, a plug for you too. But if if they have okay. not read, I didn't read your book until a year so after you and I had gone through our coaching, and and so oh. part of my you know meditation when I was kind of learning because anybody told me I would be able to meditate or I'd be able to sit quiet, I'd be like, mm. you're yeah, right, whatever. But a lot of what I had read about like your story and your journey was so inspirational too. And you were just really spot on. So that 2020 of being able just to give it back to yourself um, has made such a big Mm. difference. And, um, and just sitting in some quiet time, like it doesn't have to be really perfect. It doesn't. But when you honestly, it's just something I think there's very soothing and kind of about when you deliver it back to me Mm. about just saying, you know, just, just, you know, most definitely invest in yourself and invest in those 20 minutes. I mean, yeah. you know, you, uh, even if you're just sitting still in something. So, yeah, and just invest in, invest yes. in yourself. Because I actually tell my daughter that. She thinks I come up with it. And then she's like, did Dr. Carla tell you that? I was like, <laughs> yeah. It's yours. You. It's yours. It's, it's too, we've already said, it's yours. It's too, much, it's too many years now. It's all yours. You own it. You own it. You can have it. Thank you so much, Monique. Listeners, go ahead and follow Monique. Get in touch with her as you see fit. And thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. And I will see you next time on the Strong Women's Network podcast. Thank you so much. Goodbye.